We've been in the midst of an exposition of the book of Daniel. Daniel is a book that chronicles the experience of a particular Hebrew exile named Daniel. Daniel was taken from his home as a boy by the Babylonians in 605 BC. And he was trained in the ways of Babylonian wise men and was forced to assimilate into their culture. Daniel not only journals for us his experience, but he has shared with us the experience of some of his friends as they have tried to maintain their devotion to God in the midst of this pagan nation. And up until this point, we have seen Daniel's life be threatened because of his faith, as well as his friends. We have chosen to contend with these ancient experiences in order to draw hope and courage for the life that we live today. So much of our culture clashes with the directives of the Lord. Promiscuity and individualism and subjective morality, they keep us from pursuing a sacred sexuality, biblical community, and adherence to the superior laws of God. An additional disposition of the day is that spirituality is only for the poor or the marginalized, the undereducated, the unenlightened. We, even as Christians, often focus our evangelism on those who look like they need help with practical items and neglect those who have money, power, and respect because they seem so out of reach and don't seem to have a need for the gospel. They have no need for God, and in our eyes, they have it all. Well, what a gift, or what, what, what gift do you get the person uh, who seems to have it all? In those situations, I believe that Daniel shows us uh, an answer. Faithfulness, honesty, and humility. Now let's look uh, at this, this next journal entry. We've gone through chapter one, we've gone through chapter two, chapter three, and they all seem to be these full statements of, of things that happened as if Daniel was just writing them in uh, to, to chronicle the experience of how God showed up in these miraculous moments. And then we get to Daniel chapter four. And in Daniel chapter four, we see something very interesting. We see King Nebuchadnezzar inserting his testimonial uh, conversion into this moment. And it says here in Daniel chapter four, verses one through three, and it says, King Nebuchadnezzar to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the most high God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion endures from generation to generation. Now, Daniel's journal is interrupted with a testimony from the king. Now don't mistake the information about Nebuchadnezzar in previous chapters and books as his words. This heading that we just read is to help us to understand the magnitude of what we are about to read. A man who can make a statement like this, a man who can say to all peoples and nations and languages and make it stick is about to talk, is about to share something special. And what it says is there is a most high God in an everlasting kingdom and he rules from generation to generation. 
Now, this is the same Nebuchadnezzar who set up a statue for others to worship. The same one who changed Daniel's name to reflect his pagan gods and not Daniel's holy God, the one true God. This, is the, this man was fully pagan. He was a full authoritarian king. And now he's making a declaration that he submits himself to El Elyon, the most high God. After he makes this statement, he gives his conversion story. And he goes like this. We look back into the text. It says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers, they came in and told, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last, Daniel came in before me. He who was named Belteshazzar after the name of my God and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, and I told him the dream saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw in their interpretation. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong and its top reached heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the vision of my head as I lay in bed and behold a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven and he proclaimed aloud and said thus, chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the field and let his mind be changed from a man's and let a beast's mind be given him and let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones to the end that the living may know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. This dream I, Nebuchadnezzar, saw. And you, O Belteshazzar, and you, O Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. So Nebuchadnezzar. He sees all of his splendor and ability to rule. And it's genuine. He is wealthy. He is successful. He is doing some good. But it all comes crashing down because as Daniel will later interpret, he will lose his mind 
because he thinks that he did it by his own hand. As I read this, one of the things that comes to mind is I'm reminded of a time in my life where I was uh, this prideful, where I made statements very similar to this. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, my stepfather passed away in uh, my, the end of my freshman year. And shortly after that, my mother uh, was hit by a truck. She was run over by a truck. Uh, and it was it was a very tough season. It was a very tough time. And, and over that time, uh, for the remainder of my high school career, uh, my mom was recovering and was trying to get back on her feet and trying to get back to where she was. And I was going to school and I was working and I was playing sports and I was doing things in church. I was doing a lot of things, but what I felt at the time was I was doing a lot of those things on my own. And so when I graduated, I said something that I completely regret to this day. And I didn't know, and I still don't know how deeply it may have even hurt my mom. But I remember at that time, after I graduated and at my graduation party and throughout that summer and potentially even throughout my first freshman year uh, of, of college, I would consistently say I did it all by myself, that I was able to graduate by myself. I was able to get myself into school by myself as if I had no help, as if I was standing on my own two feet. I found myself very much so like Nebuchadnezzar looking at the things that I had accomplished and saying to myself that it is by my own hand I did this. Pride comes in and is developed as we achieve, but it also creeps into our motives. Now consider the Tower of Babel, again, associated with this region, associated um, with this people. But in Genesis chapter 11, verse number four, it says, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. We have this desire as humans to be known and to leave our mark upon the earth. Often, when we do that, we forsake the creator whose image we bear and whose purposes we are already called to. Our pride pushes us away from God and deeper into self-idolatry. But God reveals to us our sin. God gives us an opportunity to change by revealing to us the sin that is creeping up inside of us. Daniel interprets the king's dream, but we see some interesting differences in the language that Daniel uses towards the king. There was more than a cold response and unfamiliarity as he interprets this dream. At this point, Daniel has been serving Nebuchadnezzar for over 30 years, and he's not a young man anymore. But it would seem that he has grown to see the person of Nebuchadnezzar and even has an affinity for the king that he has served for so many years. He knows that this interpretation, he knows what it says, but he's struggling with it. We see in verse number 19, it says, Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while. And his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said to him, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or its interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar answered and said, my lord, 
May the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. Daniel doesn't callously share the vision. He's affected by the thought of King Nebuchadnezzar being deposed by God because of his pride. Daniel is humbled by his relationship he has with this man, but he is still faithful to God and shares the truth of the vision. And with all honesty, he begins to say this thing. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. That's verse 27. Daniel shares with him the full interpretation of his dream. And after he shares with him what the Lord is trying to express to him, he gives him an honest and he gives him an honest statement of, I want you to change. I want you to be different. He doesn't shy away from giving him what the Lord is really trying to get done in this moment. Daniel doesn't hold back the divine interpretation for Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel speaks what God says, not what he wants for his friend. Daniel knows that God's word will come to pass, but repentance is the only remedy for sin. So he implores the king to change his ways. God is not unjust in his judgments. God will judge sin. What we see next is where we all fall. God told Nebuchadnezzar to repent through his servant Daniel, and he gave him time to change his ways. He says this in between verses 27 and verse 32. He says, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. He was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods of time shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he wills. Nebuchadnezzar does what we all do. We take God's patience for his inaction. Just as Nebuchadnezzar is standing on what some would believe to be the hanging gardens of Babylon, considered to be one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, he's boasting about himself, about what he has done. Now, boasting about yourself is bad when it's in public, but it's even worse when it's to yourself, when you tell yourself how good you are. Now, I recognize that as the king, he's probably never alone, but he is talking to himself. He's boasting in himself about himself as he's looking at all of the splendor. Now, this is not just general self-love. This is full-on pride. 
and belief in the power of one's own self to make things happen for our own glory and splendor. The stench of our pride also reaches heaven just as it did with Nebuchadnezzar. And God was just in judging him. So he gave him time. He told him what was wrong. He chose not to do so, and he ended up being stricken with madness. God gave him 12 months to get things correct. God gave him 12 months to really deal with this dream that he said what made him afraid. It alarmed him. Have you ever had a dream that stuck with you? Have you ever had a dream that shook you? It doesn't leave you quickly, but then you also have this interpretation that Daniel comes in and makes this pronouncement that if you don't change your ways, things will go bad for you. And so God is very just in entering into this moment of judgment because he gave him time to be restored. He gave him time to repent, and yet he chose not to. And how often do we hear the word of the Lord but choose not to act? How often do we hear the word of the Lord and continue on in our sin? And as we continue on in our sin, we say that God must not be worried about this. Nebuchadnezzar ends up losing his mind. It's debated about what clinical diagnosis this would have been, but this depiction of eating grass like an ox and living among the animals, it's pretty harsh for anyone, but especially the king. But this is according to history, one of the most opulent and lavish kings of antiquity. And he is stripped of his splendor. He is stripped of all the things that, that he has heaped upon himself. But even worse, he's stripped of his ability to be human. Being in the likeness of God as a human is a privilege. This man had that taken away from him because he refused to acknowledge God. I pray that we don't ever let our sin and pride overtake us. I have seen, even in this day and age, people who have walked around. I have seen a woman picking out the grass from her lawn and eating it herself. I have seen people in desperate moments where you look at them and you say they cannot be in their right mind. We have found ourselves to be a people so full of pride. God is stripping away these things to show us that there is one most high God. And until we acknowledge him and until we recognize that all things, all good things come from him. Our pride will always be in contention with God's glory. But here's the beauty of this God. Here's the beauty of the loving God that we serve, the most high God. God offers restoration from sin. Even as Nebuchadnezzar was out in the field, out of his mind, God gave him an opportunity for repentance. It says in verse 34, at the end of the days, the seven years, or the seven periods of time, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. 
All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom. And still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Nebuchadnezzar goes through the breaking of his life, the breaking of his life. And at the end of this time, God relents and says, will you acknowledge me? And Nebuchadnezzar takes this opportunity and recognizes that he is just a man and recognizes that he is just built up dirt that God has breathed into, but yet God has loved and God gives him the opportunity to repent and he takes it and he says, you are the most high God. And he submits himself to him. And three things that I gather from this ending is number one, that God is not only just, but he is merciful. He does pronounce judgment and in his judgment, he is right. And in his judgment, he is just. We can never say that God has judged me wrongly or God has judged me harshly because for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years, he has told us what is right. He has told us and given us the example of what we should follow. And we stand today asking questions like, what should I do? Well, he has told you, oh man, what is required of you. God has given us his scripture. God has given us his word. But I love that God has also given us his mercy. He has given us repentance through Christ Jesus. That we can now come to him. Atonement has already been made. There is no reason to go through the breaking. There is no reason to go through the separation and the distance from God because atonement has been made. We can now come to him. He is merciful. But the second thing that I've learned is that God may leave us in these hard places as he did Daniel so that his glory is seen and that his name is made known even to successful people. Consider the thought that Daniel, though he has seen the Lord move, though he has seen God deliver him as well as Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego, as he has seen them be delivered from God, uh, be delivered from Nebuchadnezzar's hand, but they are still in captivity. And God has kept him there for that whole season. And maybe during that whole season, Nebuchadnezzar has also seen Daniel consistently be faithful to God. And as he has consistently been faithful to God and prayed over him and prayed to the Lord, the most high of heaven, Nebuchadnezzar gets to the point where he recognizes there's something special about Daniel, where it says that he knew that Daniel was was full of the holy ones, was was one who honored the holy ones. He's talking about this full God. He's talking about I've seen him know this God who responds, who is active but who is set apart 
who is the most high. And God may have put you in a hard place. God may have left you in the job that you don't really care for too much. God may have put you in the family that you struggle with for this particular reason that they are able to see God move in your life. And there may be people in your life, your boss, the CEO, even those who are in politics and in power places of influence within our country. God may cause your paths to cross so that even they might be able to call upon the name of the Lord. That in all their success, in all their money, in all their power and respect, they are not the most high. Finally, third thing that I recognize is that prayer changes things. I'm pretty sure that there were some who thought that Nebuchadnezzar's heart would never be turned towards the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm pretty sure there was a point where even Daniel was looking at this man thinking of how evil and wicked he is. And there are times where we look at people and say, there is no way that their hearts can be turned. There is no way that their lives can be changed. They will never acknowledge God, but we don't know what the Most High knows. And so we have to be faithful. And so we have to be humble. And we have to be honest as we talk with them and not hold back what God has for them. We need to not honor our friendships and honor our love for people more than we honor our love for God and his word. But they will come to know him through it, through his word. I don't know who God has called you to pray for, but I want you to pray for them now. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. It could be a coworker or a neighbor. I want you to pray for them. Because God says in second Chronicles, Chapter seven, verse 14, it says, if my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. Maybe you are in need of repentance. And you recognize that you've strayed away from your devotion to God. Or, or maybe you've never had that. Today is your day of hearing God's word. Break away from your sin. Break away from pride. Turn to Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Nebuchadnezzar saw him in the fire. Nebuchadnezzar turned to God in his brokenness. We should do no less. Amen? Amen.